I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy Syracuse Step Back to 500 week, Bull Hopes Still On week, Basketball Exhibition week, etc., etc. Yeah, Bull Hopes very much alive. Um, the World Series is not occurring. Week. No, absolutely not. They canceled it this year. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, they just like like it started. They, they almost had a participant in the NL, and they decided, "Now nah, we're good." Yeah, it, it's. I feel like I've we've gotten more like uh, World Series in which I can't root for anybody. Like obviously, the pinnacle was the Yankees Phillies World Series, and I was still at SU. <laughs> Same, but the Braves, who I will acknowledge, is the much more likable team here. I can't root for them. They're the Braves, as a Mets fan, and. Uh, the 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 cheating ass Astros, like, come on, <laughs> what are we doing here? I'm uh, I'm I'm really not a fan of what ha- I mean. It's been well documented that, that that I hate more teams than I like by a significant amount. So, <laughs> so it's so, really so tough more, for you because like, <laughs> there's always yeah yeah. I'm just always watching a team that I despise. Yeah, this is a particularly tough one. Yeah, like, I like Dusty Baker, yeah. and like again, the Braves. Like, I totally acknowledge fun team. If they weren't the biggest rival of my team, it's just not, it's not, uh, it's not a great situation. But uh, alas, we have uh, meaningful football and uh, kind of basketball right now, and NBA, NBA's back, etc. So yeah, we yeah, the, the NBA's back. The, the, the my, my, my fellow Knicks fans are acting like we we've we've won the finals yet again. Every every game is the finals for the Knicks. Every except for that one in Orlando, we don't talk about that one. Yeah, it doesn't count. 
<laughs> I mean, how should how how could Fournier be asked to play against his old team? I mean, that's a brutal situation. <laughs> well, Fournier actually was key in the game before that against Orlando. <laughs> but yeah, we uh we we don't have to go down this rabbit hole um, any further. Um, Dan, might as well talk about the uh, the football game from Saturday first. Uh, to, to describe the roller coaster for you over the final few minutes of that game. Yeah, so I, I think a like easily the best top to bottom game that we've done from Derek Schrader. Um, obviously, as a rusher, we know what he can do. But um, while I think he finished under fifty percent throwing, like way way more downfield uh, and like different passes to push the defense. Like I thought that's what we've kind of been asking for, even if it's not. He proved that he can be a credible threat, even if he's not going to be super accurate down the field. Um, he gave us enough to open up things for both himself and uh, Tucker on the ground. Um, and then Sean Tucker, uh, I think at this point, like what, what needs to be said, he's been really incredible. And like, this is another game where he wasn't even like, you know, at his full powers and he still finished with what, a hundred and uh, 112 yards uh, rushing another, uh, uh, 14 out through the air like when when you're running back and have 100 and almost 130 total yards and you're like oh that was like an average game for him maybe even like below average like that's pretty incredible the fact that trader ran the ball 22 times is crazy but yeah no i think we're, we're we're still progressing here and we we're learning how to run this offense with schrader uh as like the centerpiece um with tucker obviously uh, as another big factor and and yeah i was really impressed again like i think week by week he's aside from uh Aside from parts of that Clemson game, um, he's been uh, making some real significant strides. And, uh, you know, I don't know what to say about Virginia Tech. I think they're kind of a mess. Uh, this game might have kind of pushed things over the edge for Fuente, even if it doesn't happen right away. Um, but, like, against, you know, an ACC defense, he made some really big-time throws, especially, obviously, the touchdown at the end. But, like, all game long, there was a huge step forward for him on that department. It's still not great. Like, 6.9 yards per attempt is not, like, anything to write home about. But he was enough of a threat with his arm that it really opened things up for him and Tucker on the ground, and that was huge. Yeah, really, that's all we need from Schrader um, if he's going to be able to run even close to what he, you know, how well he did against Virginia Tech. We don't need to see him throw for three hundred and run for two hundred, but if he can, you know, run for over a hundred and and at least have a threat to go over two through the air, that's enough to keep defenses honest on both fronts, and it really opens up the play calling a hell of a lot. And you saw that at the end. I mean, really, Schrader's been. Uh, you know, without like having a clutch stat necessarily available to us. Like Schrader has been excellent, um, you know, in in the fourth quarter uh, for pretty much the last like month uh, where, where he's been able to lead comebacks and and, and near comebacks and, and all that. And, and I think, you know, like once you look at pretty much like after the Liberty game on, he he's really been able to, to put in strong showings um, against teams in the fourth and while it came up short three times in a row it didn't come up short here um against virginia tech i mean that throw to alford was great i love the fact that like we're we're starting to figure out how to use you know alford who's six six and you and i and, and christian have all been on the train for a while um about like why aren't we using alford more outside and, and hoping that he would get his shot i think this is just the beginning of, of how we're going to utilize um you know su when su's biggest receivers more I think ultimately this is still a running team and, and and they should be based on, you know, how well Schrader moves the ball on the ground, how well Tucker moves the ball on the ground. But it was, it was encouraging to see some, some progress um, through the air. And while, like you said, you know, Schrader's still not perfect uh, by any means throwing the football. And there were definitely some, some near interceptions, some off target passes at the same time, like the receivers are starting to, to, 
maybe just get like better catch radiuses and, and, and starting to just adjust to, okay, it might not always be delivered on the money, but if it's in the general vicinity, like they can make it happen. He's not necessarily catching guys in stride still, but that's okay. Um, if again, if receivers are, are adjusting and figuring it out. And I think, you know, it's a young group and they, they were never going to be amazing this year, but I think they're, they're starting to put some things together, um, you know, on the outside and, and and that's only, you know, helping Schrader out more. Yeah. I actually, I'm pretty bullish on this receiving group. I, I obviously it's a, a shame that Taj isn't still involved here. I totally get why he made the move he did, especially looking at this offense a couple of weeks ago, but like Courtney Jackson's turned into a really reliable target. He's obviously, I think he's Schrader's pretty clear go-to guy with seven catches in this last game. Alford's that big downfield threat. Um, hopefully, you know, we can hit Benson into that, but that's, you know, I'm, I'm not holding my breath with that for now however many years it's been. Um, but then Johnson, Queeley, Cooper, like I think they're all like pretty nice pieces. And then if we get like Jackson and Alford going as like a true one-two punch, that's it's, – it's a nice group. It's not – there's no like showstopper. Maybe Jackson becomes that. Uh, I assume he has another year left. No, yeah, he's a freshman. Um, yeah, he, uh, I, the, the, the whole like last year has just thrown me for such a loop in terms of understanding who has what eligibility left. <laughs> But, you know, maybe Jackson can, like, kind of step into that role that we were hoping Taj would, would fit in, like, that that big-time Babers wide receiver one. Uh, and, obviously, that'll probably look a little different if we're gearing towards a much more run-heavy offense. Um, but, you know, we need these guys to step up. We need them to present a credible threat downfield. And, and this was, like, the best possible example of it so far this year. So it's exciting to see. Um, credit to Babers, uh, you know, who we've given a lot of heat to and – for good reason, and like there were still things in this game that that just are really really annoying. But he was more aggressive Very on fourth so. down. Um, yeah, yes, I will say even with all that, he was much more aggressive in this game. Uh, like significantly, we went for multiple fourth downs. We got a bunch of them. We made some like we 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 made more winning decisions in this game. Now there were still some pretty bad losing decisions, but um, a we got the win, so I'm not gonna like go crazy about it. But also like I did appreciate that would seem like we made a concerted effort to try to. Uh, maximize our, our opportunities a little bit more, especially in like a tough road game. So yeah, hopefully more of that going forward. I mean, hopefully like, you know, it's, I just hope that Dino's like kind of figured some things out and, and isn't going to coach afraid because I, I definitely think this was a step forward, even if there were still some pretty glaring uh, decisions. Um, but in terms of like the actual game planning, I think you are seeing some really bright spots. Like the fact that we've kind of changed our offense, like pretty wholesale over the course of the season, even more so than like the famous 2012 season where like things changed, but it was still the same personnel. It was just putting them in the right positions. Like this is a radically different offense that we were running with DeVito like four or five weeks ago. So um, the fact they're able to draw that up is, is encouraging. I think that's still a little bit of like roll the ball out there. Let Derek do what he can do. But like, if that's going to work against a pretty middling ACC, like we'll take it. And then hopefully we can really start to, 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 you know, fine tune things and, and design some stuff even more, uh, more intricate and more effective next year, assuming the staff is back and we had like a pretty successful end of the season here. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting optimistic. I think this weekend presents a big opportunity. Uh, I think this is a huge, hugely important game against BC. Um, easily, I think our biggest chance for a win going forward. And and at this point, like bowl still has to be the goal. Yeah, I agree. You know, BC, like you said, definitely the, the best chance for a win here. I mean, even if it's toss up, we do have a home game. So SU is favored currently by we're drifting towards the touchdown now, which getting me a little nervous uh, just because we've been an underdog in so many games this year. I, I think that ultimately like if SU wins that one, um, I think that's a nice confidence boost and enough of a, 
inspiring factor for the team, for the coaching staff, uh, and to be able to pull off, you know, an upset over over one of the final three. Um, Pitt increasingly looks like it's not that. Um, so really, you're looking at either Louisville um, or NC State, you know, for that upset. And I do think that the fact that SU seems to be adding other wrinkles on offense, at least uh, week over week, and Schrader seems to be getting more comfortable. Um, they seem to be trying new things, being, like you said, more aggressive. I think that's at least helping. And we talked about this last couple of weeks, like just being less predictable on offense. Obviously, we're going to run the ball, but how we run the ball and how we deploy both Schrader and Tucker on the ground, um, the fact that it's looking different each week, I, I think is really throwing teams for a loop. I mean, Virginia Tech stopped Tucker here and there. But by and large, like really couldn't do anything against them. Even Clemson, like Clemson stacked the box. And if, if Schrader was able to to throw downfield a little bit more, you know, that could have been a win. Like, you know, Tech struggled stopping the run before that game. They were averaging over 4.4 yards um, per attempt by, by their opponents. And yet, you know, SU averaged almost seven um, against them. BC, as we'll talk about in the second half of this, um, you know, another team averaging around 4.4 yards. Um, per attempt against them and not necessarily going to bode well for, for, for them if, if they really, if they struggle to stop the run for any extended amount of time. So um, I will say, speaking of stopping the run, uh, one thing that's been concerning for the last probably couple of weeks is that Syracuse is not looking as great against the run uh, on defense. And that's really despite having everybody healthy um, in terms of linebackers in the line. So can't say I'm overly encouraged by that development, especially because like Virginia Tech was not a great running team coming into this game. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll see if that continues against BC or or if you know SU is able to kind of fix its house a little bit on that front. Yeah, that certainly wasn't ideal, especially considering Virginia Tech really didn't have much of a rushing attack entering the game to speak of, which we discussed last week. Um, so yeah, you don't love to see them get gashed the way they did uh, at times. You know, I think there's always going to be a little bit of give and take with the three three five. Like we're we're obviously giving up some size to counteract the spread, and I'm all for that. And and we kind of mix in the aggressiveness and the blitzing to try to uh, keep teams on their toes. But Vatat definitely found some things that worked there. Um, luckily, Pratt and Burmeister is pretty bad. <laughs> like I, I, you know, I we kind of knew that going in, but man, like at least like when Schrader, even the games where Schrader really couldn't connect on anything, like. He's still so dangerous with his, with his legs, and he's such a big athlete that it's you know he he was he presented some sort of issues for opposing defenses. Burmeister, that was rough. It was rough to watch. Uh, glad glad it went the way it did though. But um, yeah, like it, it certainly isn't ideal that even like uh, with that really limited passing threat on the other side, we were getting chopped up in the running game. But again, like you know, we we we've we've had enough good games in the run where I'm not going to uh, totally freak out about it but it has been something that's been wearing on i don't know if it's just like the the point of the season where we're at where uh you know teams are, are able to to bear down against uh smaller defenses like ours and and kind of exert their will or, or what but it's uh you know it's definitely a lingering concern yeah definitely again something to watch here um something to watch against louisville the following week louisville uh, has, has also had a lot of success running the ball this year so definitely something i'm personally keeping an eye on Dan, did want to talk a little bit about basketball before we get to halftime. Um, I'm sure those listening on Thursday are aware that SU had their SU men's basketball had their first exhibition game on Wednesday night. Uh, at, at time of us talking here, 
Uh, SU's up 43-26 on pace. Um, as we know, these exhibition games are not really anything to read too far into. Uh, but SU looks a little slow to rotate on defense uh, here and there, which is not necessarily a surprise. I know we got news that uh, Barama Sadibe will be out uh, for a month. We'll see if that turns into more. Hopefully not. Uh, meanwhile, Cole Swider getting involved early. And this is definitely from at least what we've seen so far. This is going to definitely be the, the, the kind of three-point shooting juggernaut that we, uh, that we thought it was going to be. Um, which has me excited, but also a little concerned because what happens if there's an off night? Yeah, I mean that's we've we've had a couple of these teams where like we're we seem designed to make the three, and then you know we shoot like thirty three percent as a team, which is not a great combo. Is when you're gunning and also not super efficient. Um, so far, like so good. Obviously, it's pace, but um, at the half, at least Spider is three for five. Buddy's three for seven. Joe, who's played a really nice half, is one for two. Jimmy's one for three. So like. We have a lot of options out there. Um, Benny is, you know, not the shooting's not like his his foremost thing, but hopefully these other guys will open it up for him when he's out there. Um, I think like the center position is going to be key um, with Jesse, who's looked really good so far, three for three with uh, three boards, and and Frank uh, Anselm, who thank God he uh, stuck around after some stares uh, in the off season because of the Barama injury. Um, it seems like he's going to get pretty meaningful minutes, and Beheim has been hyping him up significantly which we also know doesn't mean very much. He'll do that to anyone, but it was of known. He's played eight minutes so far. So um, yeah, hopefully uh, things, you know, the, the defense is going to be a concern. Like I think we've, we've addressed it. Like when you add, obviously uh, uh, Torrance is, is known for, to be a defender and, and uh, you know, should be really good up top. He's really rangy, but Jimmy and, and Swider are not necessarily like the pitcher perfect uh, Syracuse wings, uh, you know, ironic as that is, as one of them is, is our coach's son. But um, if, if, you know, if they're going to hit 40 plus percent from three, I think we can probably make the trade off as long as they get a little better and a little faster on these rotations. But it's not a surprise that the, the two, three, looks a little sluggish uh, this early on with so many new pieces in there, because, you know, we, we, we've seen this, this before, unless you have like the crazy, uh, the crazy good athletes, cough, cough, uh, Kadari Richmond. Um, <laughs> it takes a while for guys to, to, to learn the two, three, like it very very rarely is someone in their first year in the defense like really really great, uh, which again makes it hurt when you let one of those guys go. But if uh, you know that that's that's the path, I guess. Yeah, let's maybe do a little bit less of that going forward. Maybe <laughs> try to hold on to our uh, really good guards and then not trash them after they leave. But you know, who are we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly not a hall of famer. Anyway. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, speaking of a hall of famer, uh, Jim Beheim did. Uh, have his kind of annual media days. Let's just regale everyone with with exactly what they want to hear, um, just so we can have some good headlines. Um, among the highlights, um, Beheim said that Joe Girard was the most improved player in the backcourt, called everyone that talks about him on the internet haters. Um, he said he's never really thought about retirement and then responded to folks, what do I have to do? Stay here 20 more years for you to stop asking me that. Um, he said that Cole Swider is the best shooting forward since Preston Shumpert, uh, which wild, um, just, just, just incredible. Um, he also said that um, the 2022 recruiting class is the best we've ever had. He did say that. That's the thing he said. Which, which of those, um, as, as Kevin has now dubbed them, um, hyper, hyperbole statements 
um, do, do you feel is the uh, is the most ridiculous? I will hold off on the Joe one. We don't know. We we Joe's played really well tonight. We all very much hope that Joe Girard is is like has this kind of incredible turnaround that Beheim has alluded to. Um, obviously, last year he had the COVID situation, which uh, seemed to affect him more than a lot of people because he has asthma. And we know he feeds off the crowd. We've heard the whole story. Um, I, for one, hope that Joe Girard is an All-American this year. So, yes. Beyond that, like, Swider, again, I asked, as we also don't know. I, I think if Paul Swider was the greatest uh, shooting forward in a major college basketball program's history, maybe Villanova wouldn't have let him walk so easily. But uh, And he probably would have been a little more productive there. But again, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to to wait and see. He's he's what three for five tonight. The as we as we speak, um, he should get plenty of opportunities because I think defenses are going to be gunning for Buddy uh, as they well should. Um, and I think there's just going to be so much room with with Jimmy out there, with Gerard out there, uh, with Benny hopefully slashing. Um, so I do think like Swider will have really good opportunities. I don't know, like is he a better pure shooter than like even James Sutherland a couple of years ago? I, I don't know. Uh, Jim <laughs> knows better than me. I hope he again. Hope he's right. <laughs> um, Tyler Lydon, you don't exist. Yeah, <laughs> or do you, Demetrius Nichols? Yes. Then the, the recruiting class one, I think, is probably my my clubhouse leader. I mean, the Swider one's probably actually the the, the legitimate most ridiculous one, just because like I don't know. It, it's hard to. It can, be, I guess it's hard it can to... be proven false very quickly and easily. Yes. The recruiting class one's also tough. Like obviously, star ratings don't mean everything. I actually think it's a really good class. I like this class a lot. Um, I think this was Bayheim kind of preeminently uh, or like going ahead of, to respond to the criticisms that I don't think necessarily came during that media day about like missing out on some of the bid targets. And like, that's fine. Um, you know, you're not always going to get your bid targets. Um, and I do think this is a really good class. It, you know, the, the, the number 10 ranking is, is what it is. Like a lot of that's because we have five guys in the class and five is a pretty big college basketball recruiting class. So you're going to rank high, especially when you have multiple four stars. I think Bunch and Taylor are a really nice combo. Um, I hope he's right. But who is it that he said? Did he say Copeland was like the most underrated recruit or something along those lines? Um, yeah, I forgot yeah. who he said was the most underrated. Maybe it was Copeland or was it, I, or was it Carrie? I didn't. One I, of I, those I, two. Yeah, everyone's been talking about Carrie being like super underrated on the internet, at least. I hope, yeah. And again, like that all may be, may be right. Um, and like for a lot of programs, maybe this would be their best class ever. Um, we've had some really good classes. <laughs> like that's, I think that's like the, the tougher part, like what, what was the, the Johnny Flynn class was like, was I think number two class. in the country. Yeah. And I know the dynasty thing was goofy, but like, if you just look at it, that good. class had Dante who, you know, t- give or take, but whatever, he was there. But even without Dante, you had Johnny Flynn, who was an amazing two-year player for us. You had Stuve Jardine, a really good four-year player for us. Rick Jackson, a really good four-year player for us, who was our best player his last year. And then Krista Vangenat, a really good multiple-year player for us. And then Sean Williams, who we don't have to talk about. Um, <laughs> Like I'll, that's I'll, 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 I'll take that class again if we want to do that. Yeah, so if this is better than that class, spectacular. <laughs> um, and again, like I think this could be a really good class. I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm not going to like get super bummed about missing on some of the the, the highly rated guys that we were after because I think we got really effective players. It's just, it is funny because Beheim, like you wouldn't think he'd be a guy who is super prone to hyperbole about his own team. Like you think of him as like, you know, if you're, especially if you're an outsider, you probably think of him as this like super dour, like, gruff old coach who isn't going to like overhype his team but he does it every single year and it's great <laughs> yeah it's definitely be- I, I feel like it's gotten more pronounced too over the years i feel like yeah the last like i think during this run where we've been kind of mediocre during the regular season i feel like this has been his way to like react to that and try to like get people back 
you know, excited for then hopefully, you know, a good start to the season. And then a lot of the times, like when the team actually rolls out there the first couple of weeks and you get your first couple of big matches and it's power five opponents or power six opponents, it's just like, oh, this doesn't seem like what he said. Yeah. <laughs> this, well, that's the thing. this is a it's work in progress. Yeah, it's like, yeah, this is the carnival barker approach that I think like has its benefits because then you start hearing people talk nationally and locally talk about SU, but then there's the like, the downfall to the carnival barker approach, which is like, if you don't deliver on said barking, then the, then you kind of end up with like, now, now there's all these questions that people didn't have. Like, like yeah. if Cole Swider, is Cole Swider, and I don't want this, but like if Cole Swider averages like four points a game for his five games, it was going to be like, what happened to Cole Swider? Didn't, didn't Beheim say that before his freshman year, Fab Mello was on win defensive player of the year. And then obviously he, I think he did the next year, but yeah. like, I think he said that before Fab's freshman year, and then Fab like barely played uh, until that like St. John's game in the Big East tournament. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's something. I now now Bam can also get away with it because he's basically unimpeachable um, and uh, beloved in the city and everything else. So like, if anyone can get away with it, it's Bayheim. Um, if it was like Bruce Pearl or something, like the actual like carnival barkers that we have in the sport, that'd be a little. Yeah, I think you'd have more uh, people, uh, you know, clapping back against it. But obviously, Jim um, has a lot of leeway. I would say, even when he does stuff like this, and then also uh, is just never going to retire, which, you know, is, is fine. Like, if if we actually have the kind of season that he seems to say, then, like, yeah, Jim, stick around for a while. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree there. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, shifting focus though for basketball to uh, another thing we enjoy that starts with the B. How about some beer? So Dan, what have you uh, what have you been drinking lately? Um, it wasn't a huge week, although I just moved this week, so I have been having more uh, at least like single beers at the end of the night after like lugging stuff up uh, New York City streets. Um, I am currently drinking uh, a Raven Black IPA from Treehouse, which is delicious. Uh, I went and rescued that from my old apartment today, so uh, I wanted to get that before uh, before you know too much time elapses. We got it a couple weeks ago. Um, also had uh, Solera from uh, Oma Gang uh, earlier in the week. I hadn't had any Oma Gang in so long. Um, but this was a really uh, really solid sour. Um, I think it's actually a collab with uh, Brewery Leafman's uh, out in I assume. Where are they? Yeah, it's a it's a Duval subsidiary, and then uh, also had uh, oh from San Diego. I had um, the three ninety four. Uh, what is it? The Tony Gwynn beer from one of the San Diego uh, beers. Ale Smith. Yeah, yeah. Uh, friend sent me uh, from San Diego. Uh, that was really solid. Like it's really nice uh, pale ale. So no complaints there. But I've uh, a good amount of stuff in the fridge now, and and yes, as I finish this move, I will definitely be needing some. So. Very nice. Uh, on this end, nothing crazy. Had a from Modern Times. I had Oneida Pale Ale. Also had from Modern Times. Really good uh, Imperial Pastry Stout. Uh, Beast Monster uh, Espresso Macaroon Edition. That was like really, really good. Definitely enjoyed that one. It, 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 it comes off exactly the way you'd expect. It really gets like the macaroon notes. The espresso notes really shine through pretty well. It's great. Um, haven't had a fat tire in a while. So I actually had one of those while I was out uh, to dinner. 
enjoyable. Had a pure intention from Hop Saint, uh, which is a brewery right around here that I've mentioned here and there over the years. Um, from Pizza Port, had a Coastal Access IP, uh, West Coast IPA. Had a Cosmic Prose, a uh, Modern Times and Celador Farmhouse Ale that I mentioned last week, and I was I'm still gutting through that four pack. Um, then I was at uh, another Rams game, so I had another uh, Who's House Blonde Ale from uh, Golden Road. And uh, I, I guess thankfully for the home crowd, the uh, the Rams didn't blow it against the Lions, though they certainly tried to. We just ran a, a Jimmy Beheim to uh, Jesse Edwards high low pick and roll, and then Jesse blocked a dude shot like 15 feet. So uh, we're gonna go to the final four. I mean, really, if Jesse <laughs> Ed- if Jesse Edwards gives us like 10 and eight. I'm feeling very, very good about this year. Like, like ridiculously good about this year. I've been so high on Jesse for the, the like the two years he's been at SU. And like, I think, I think we might have it. Like, obviously he's playing against like, there's a guy in the post who's like sit, sit starting him right now. But if he gives us anything on offense, like you said, even if it's like eight and eight and like a couple blocks and, and we can just run pick and roll with him. And he's a legit threat to, to trash. Like, that's just such a big part of the offense we haven't had in so long. And obviously he's shown flashes of it, but it does seem like, obviously like Frank's gotten a lot of hype, um, but Bam like really has talked up Jesse as well. And it does seem like we're ready to like make him uh, some kind of focal point in this offense. And, and it's going to be tough. Like, and, yeah. And he just sort of Dan because Joe penetrated and got a nice alley-oop to him. Like, like guys, five for six. He's adding I, muscle. I, like this is great. He looks bigger. He, he absolutely looks like he's filled out. Um, yeah, I mean, we haven't had this kind of offensive D from our center in, in, in a while. And with the kind of shooters we do, we have, and he's a pretty adept passer, with the kind of shooters we have, like, that could really unlock some things. Yeah, I mean, really, it, it, it figures out something that we haven't figured out in years. Um, and, and, and it's no slight to Marek or, or, or Sidibe or anybody else that's played, you know, the five. It's just that realistically, like, Marek was a great distributor. He wasn't necessarily going strong enough to the hole to, mat- to, to make that sort of difference on offense. Um, and, and, and ultimately like his distribution took away from his ability to be a scorer. And we saw him do that here and there. Um, and, and then everyone else who's played the five really has been more of a, um, you know, body. Um, and unfortunately sometimes really just a foul absorber. And I really do hope that, you know, Edwards is able to kind of change that dynamic and maybe Anselm is too. Yeah. I mean, Frank, obviously we haven't seen as much from him, but he seems, you know, he hasn't filled out as much as Jesse. He's not quite as big, but he has, you know, from from his what we knew of him coming in, like he was another more skilled big than we've had in a while. Um, it'd be a nice trend to just you know it doesn't have to be the focal point of our offense. He doesn't have to be rack or or, or senior year with Jackson, but um, with the amount of shooting we have around him, if he if he can if he's a guy that we just can't like you know other defenses can't just count out, um, it's gonna be pretty dangerous. So I'm I'm really excited for him uh, if he can do like anything like he is tonight. And again, very overmatched opponent. But we're seeing stuff that we're like, I feel like we haven't run in years. Like we ran a little bit for Marek, but he was more of a distributor. Um, and he was also not like supposed to be a true center. So, um, yeah, definitely going to let, let's let the, uh, the, the exhibition season hype train roll <laughs> off the off the stage right now. <laughs> I mean, I'll just I'll just take playing. Well, even if it's not that great, I'll just take playing five on five basketball again. Yes, absolutely. Just start there. Um, all right. So with time we have left, Dan, did want to talk a little bit about the Syracuse BC game. I think both of us are pretty, pretty bullish on the orange, but we'll save the predictions for the end. I, I guess first and foremost, who's playing quarterback for BC? Because Jeff Halfley's doing that, like, you know, let's be coy for the sake of being coy thing um, as a coach. Uh, Dennis Grossell, I, I think, is worn out as welcome as the starter for most BC fans as they've lost three straight. 
Um, he hasn't really been that effective. He's basically turned uh, Zay Flowers into um, a, a non-factor when he's arguably one of like the more interesting playmakers in the ACC um, on offense. So curious if you have any thoughts on whether Grossell is going to start or do you think that there's, I mean, I don't think we're going to see some sort of Jerkovich like return, but I don't know if they just finally decide they're going to like turn the page to save the season um, and, and put in somebody else who SU doesn't have any tape on. Yeah. It's kind of tough to like, it just says no one else has thrown a pass except for Jerkovich, who I imagine is still hurt and Grizel. Um, it's hard not to see it being Grizel just as it's, it's tough to throw in a totally fresh guy like this. Um, it's against you know, our maybe it's, right. And it's a pretty like complex defense to play against too. Um, I, I kind of imagine, especially after last week, they're going to roll with Grizel, who at least has some experience, and then just try to pound Pat Darwo, who's been very effective for them. He has 605 yards, everything over six a carry. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's tough because it makes them really one-dimensional. And as we saw last week, um, even while Virginia Tech, uh, you know, they scored a bunch of points against us, um, they're one-dimensional, and we were the the more diverse offense, which has not always been the case. Um, but yeah, like, it, it is kind of a shame for them that, like, when you have um, some really prime receiving options like Zay Flowers and Trey Barry. It's it's really kind of falling off a cliff. They only have nine passing touchdowns in the whole year. Um, again, they can run the ball pretty well, but there's no guarantee that Syracuse is going to be as susceptible to the run uh, as they were last week. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just overall, like they've kind of fallen off a cliff after a really nice start. Um, and it's tough when your quarterback's out, but, you know, three straight losses to Clemson, NC State, Louisville, the last two were, were kind of blowouts. Uh, it's, you know, I think this is a really susceptible team right now. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's like a, the, the shine is off halfway at all. And I know the shine was a little maybe overstated going in. But um, because when you lose your quarterback, it, you know, it, it's really hard to recover from that. But uh, this does seem like I think our best chance to win number five uh, for a while. And then, you know, we go from there. But, yeah, I feel pretty good about it. I think after last week, like I'm feeling good about where this team is at. So obviously there are still things to uh, – things that you hope that get better, especially uh, from the coaching aspect. But um, it seems like preparation wise, like we're, we're, we're putting more on Schrader's plate We're we're finding the things that work for him and uh, we're really developing an identity kind of on the fly as we talked about earlier. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I said, if, if BC can't, you know, fix it's, uh, it's, it's run D against us, then it doesn't really matter what else happens. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that SU's defense is going to be able to hang with, um, what's been kind of a, a shrug worthy BC offense. I mean, I said that last week too against Virginia Tech, and then Vatek put up 36 points. But I, I, I think in this case, um, I think BC's offense is, is potentially more decrepit by the week. And, and it's not to say they couldn't figure out something, but when you really have a one dimensional attack, you've got, I mean, maybe they find something interesting to do with, with Flowers. I honestly don't believe that this is going to be like a big, big SU win. Um, just because SU has a penchant to get in their own way. Um, they We haven't really seen them bludgeon anyone all year, save uh, Albany, obviously. And, and, and honestly, like, I just don't know. I just oh, I just always feel like there's another shoe drop um, for, for this team, and maybe that's just the product of being an SU fan. But I, I, I don't necessarily see this one being, like, a huge, huge victory um, for SU. But I, at the same time, I do see um, the rushing offense really being the biggest difference I think another thing to watch will be, you know, BC um, scores a lot of its points in the red zone. How does SU, um, and, and they're pretty solid red zone defense, um, you know, compete with that. I think 
really if SU can hold, I mean, we've seen it. We saw it against Clemson. We saw it against other teams too. Like it, w- when SU was able to bend, but not break in the red zone, um, it, it really gives the offense some more chances. And and we've seen like some kind of cracks start to develop there um, against Wake, against, um, against Virginia Tech as well. I'm curious to see what, what happens here with BC. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a valid question of whether the, you, you have the momentum to keep on like, Less, we've seen Syracuse teams in the past get a big win. Obviously, Bob Tet's not like a great team, but you know, a win that seemed to to get some things off their back, and it's a nice road victory. You always take those, especially in league. Um, but we've seen Syracuse teams not take that momentum going forward all the time. So um, you hope going back home against you know a rival uh, against a team that even in like years where Syracuse hasn't been great, they played them pretty tough. You hope you keep it moving forward um, and take advantage of the fact that their quarterback's out. Um, but there are no guarantees. Uh, and, you know, BC does play within themselves. Um, I don't think they, they're not really going to beat themselves too much, which is uh, kind of a, what we've seen from these halfway teams so far. That was like a big part for their, a big part for them last year. Um, oh, Buddy Beheim, something leaving the game. That's not great. I don't yeah, know if it's anything serious. Well, he, he walked back to the locker room with Brad Pike and he had his shoe off. So, okay. So, so, so just just great vibes. He's having a normal one over here. Uh, can't can't say that I'm thrilled right now. No, not not what you want from exhibition season. But yeah, no, I, I think I think we're gonna have to go out and beat BC. I don't think like even if Grossell plays, and I know he has you know a number of interceptions this year. I don't think it's gonna be a a situation where like they just beat themselves. I think they're gonna try to do what they can do, and they're gonna run the ball. And it's up to us to like take advantage of the fact that they're shorthanded. Yeah, I, mean, I I completely agree there. I think too another thing is going to be super interesting here is like, you know, BC while while their their front isn't great, their linebackers haven't necessarily made like a, a boatload of stops this year. At the same time, I think their secondary has actually like improved a ton, and overall, like I think the defense is much better this year than it was last year. But I think the key there is a the secondary. Um, they haven't been ball hawks to the extent that maybe Syracuse was um, over the last few years, but eight picks this year. Uh, for BC, I think that like Virginia Tech was probably pretty similar. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but Virginia Tech definitely like w- was your typical, you know, Hoagies defense in terms of um, being able to turn teams over. The fact that, you know, they dropped a couple of picks um, against us was obviously a godsend. I, I don't think we'll get as lucky necessarily um, against BC. But, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, I am very curious. Like if they can't stop, if they can't stop straight around the ground, and if they have to start loading up against the run, I, I think that Schrader's now put together enough like snaps and 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 has seen enough game action to actually like take advantage of that in a way that you know he didn't again and couldn't against Clemson in part because of just the talent advantage that the Tigers had. Yeah, I, I imagine talent wise, like BC isn't terribly different than Virginia Tech. Like I think they're probably a little more disciplined. Um, obviously, they are not playing for a coach who. Uh, seems to be falling apart. Um, they seem to, to to rise to the occasion. But, like, if Schrader do that against Vatek, um, I don't see why, you know, he can't have maybe not a, a five-touchdown, like, 400-total-yard game, but, like, play an effective football game, continue to, to make some of those steps forward uh, as a passer, keep, th- keep things honest. Like, honestly, I, I like our chances in all these games as long as we can keep, keep teams from stacking the eight in the box. And, and as long as, like, if Schrader's going to make some of those downfield throws um, and be relatively safe with the ball uh, when he's not running, like I, I feel pretty confident moving forward. Obviously, like Pitt's going to be a big challenge later on, but 
no, you have to feel pretty good about it, especially against these kind of like similar uh, level programs, which is basically all we have up until that big game. And even Pitt, like, I'm I'm not I'm not convinced they're not like <laughs> there's not a, a loss somewhere out there. It'd be it'd be very fun to beat Pitt and, and kind of knock them uh, from a pedestal later on the se- uh, at the end of the season. Well, Pitt's like top ten S and P plus now, aren't they? Something like that. It's crazy. Like, and I get it. They're playing really well. Um, but this team also like lost to a Mac team earlier in the year. Like it's wild that they're, I'm not even like, trying to take anything away from them. It's wild that they, they rebounded and, and are where they are. Yeah. I mean, ultimately like it, it, it's always weird looking at the ACC schedule because I think that like when we started, you know, talking about the team in terms of like, you know, four wins, four losses, and then everything in the middle, I think there was like a clear like top and bottom of the conference. I think now, like, especially this year, like every game's a toss up. And, and and that's just like such, I mean, it's very Pac-12 of the ACC uh, this year to do. Uh, and I feel like that inspires hope, but also like dread uh, for us as Syracuse fans being a team that needs to win two of the final four. It's like, all right, you just have to hope that the coin flips twice in your favor um, in games that could very well, all, I mean, again, SU hasn't been, you know, SU's only been involved in one in one FBS game that was decided by less than that by more than 10 points. And even the Rutgers game, I think you could argue that it, like even that 10 point margin is a little deceptive for how much of a like disgusting slugfest it was. I do want to look here quick at BC and the run defense. Um, I'll admit some of this, uh, some of that 4.4 yards carry is influenced by the three most recent games. Um, but, you know, BC started averaging, they allowed three yards of carry against Colgate, Four against UMass, which may be one sign of alarm. Uh, two against Temple, which is good. Um, then 3.8 against Missouri, so we're starting to tick up. And then uh, 5.78 uh, against Clemson, which, I mean, Clemson's run game is not to that caliber um, going into that game. And since uh, NC State had 3.82, uh, but they also just kind of shredded them and then didn't really have to worry about it. And then Louisville, uh, last week, 47 attempts, 331 yards, 7.04 average, four touchdowns. Yeah, like Louisville's a, a pretty good run game, but like I don't know if they have the – I know Cunningham's been good. Um, I, you know, I don't think we're super far behind them if we're behind at all. Yeah, I mean, right now, SU's number eight in the country in terms of yards per game. Yeah, I'm looking at SP Plus now. Um, some pretty wild stuff. It pits number nine, which is crazy. Uh, Vatek actually went up. After our game, sure, um, a lot, which okay. Um, they're actually uh, pretty sizably better than BC, um, in terms of they're 43 in SP plus. We are now 54. I don't know. We kind of have we steadily been rising that fast. I like don't remember jumping up that much. We jumped up, we jumped up like several weeks ago, and then we kind of like hovered and like it was waiting for us to beat one of these teams. I wonder if we must have we must have jumped when Bill took the uh. Or, or or reduce the weight of the preseason stuff. Yeah. So we're we're 54. We are one spot ahead of BC. Um, we have the number 58 offense and the number 42 defense. We have the one number 119 special teams. Um, Justin Lustig. It's not surprising. Where are you? Bandy cannot home. be that fun. Come home. We know they pay more. That's fine. Come home. You have an accolade um, of any sort that, that that could come and join us because at this point. Yeah, uh, special teams is a complete and abject failure, and I think that after a se- after a twenty eighteen season where special teams is such a big part of why we won, it is it's going to be really brutal if we finish five and seven in part because special teams is so bad. 
Yeah, and it's just, like, disappointing that we seem to... Like, obviously, we don't know how hard we tried to bring in, like, a legit, like, guru to replace him. It doesn't seem like we tried that hard. Like, it doesn't seem like we... we it seemed like we were kind of resting on our laurels and thought that things would just continue forward just be bended at them. But, like, special teams can change on a dime, as we're, as we're seeing this year. Um, but, you know, it's very jarring considering, like, even when they weren't as good as 2018, we were still, like, even, like, the years we were pretty bad. We were still really good specialty on special teams, and things have gotten really bad. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that's something we can amend in the offseason because, like, there's just no reason to give up even if you're not going to have an elite, like, you know, obviously you're not going to have that many Riley Dixons come through, but... Um, and we've had a few. And we've had, you know, we, and, and James Williams was a highly talented punter, and he's had moments where he's looked good. I don't I know what's wrong hurt. with him. He, he I, must I, be. And he, he missed a game, so like... Yeah, he missed a game. I think he's been hurt, and I think, like, you see when he makes good contact, he makes good contact. When he makes bad contact, he makes, like, really bad contact. Yeah, and I think hopefully that helps inspire Babers to go for it more on fourth, which he did this past week. Yeah. Um, but it's it just stinks for it to be like a thing where we've gone from like winning games because of special teams to now it's not even just like we're mediocre. We're like it's it's legitimately hurt us in a lot of ways. And it's like a Vatek team that's always been on special teams. They're they're number fifty seven this year, which is pretty mediocre for them. But they had like a huge advantage there. Obviously, they had the the blocked uh, extra point. Um, you know, it legitimately almost cost us a game. Like we shouldn't have even had to have that last minute comeback. Um, we should have had that one in hand already. Um. But yeah, so uh, to uh, my original point with SP Plus, Vatek's actually pretty sizably better than BC on defense for this one metric, at least. They're 38th, BC is 64th. BC's offense is, is really what's carrying them and like solid special teams as well. So uh, that's pretty fascinating, like that their offense still ranks so highly, even with, you know, pretty bad quarterback play over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think a lot of it's just been like the last three weeks don't necessarily erase everything that happened before it. Yeah. And like, the, you know, I mean, they look pretty good against Mizzou. Look pretty good against Temple. I, I, I think it's enough to keep them around there for now. Obviously, if like we hold them in check, then I think you start seeing that number dip. Just like if SU, you know, explodes for another 30 plus game, I think you start seeing the offensive numbers trend back up um, for the orange. Uh, I know just looking at, you know, rushing offense here, like I said, SU's eighth overall um, in yards per game. They're ninth overall in terms of yards per carry, 566 um per game which is pretty impressive only behind florida ohio state postal baylor fsu oregon state cincinnati and auburn and su is fourth in rushing touchdowns on the year with 24 uh only trailing air force army and michigan and sean tucker is the, the only guy with a thousand rushing yards which is is so crazy it's ridiculously impressive what him and trader been able to do i know i, I wrote an article about it the other day um, about how they're going to pretty much like shatter the uh the the record for like most yards by the top two rushers in SU history. Mm-hmm. Like, Which obviously like close. obviously there are like game play games played concerns there, but even so, <laughs> like they're gonna be up there for average yards too. Like they're it's pretty special. Yeah. I'm 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 very pleased with the performance as uh yes. as I'm sure we all are. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, but Dan, and then we're wrapping up here in a few. So... Who you got in this one? I, I, I assume Syracuse, but, but but let's hear the reasoning. 
Yeah, I'm going to ride Syracuse. I'm going to ride the momentum. I think we've kind of figured some things out. I think BC, if Jerkovic was playing, I think this would be a really tight one. BC probably even be favored. Um, but, I, you know, I think we play better at the Dome. Um, and I just think this team, I don't know, it, it felt like we got something off our backs that we needed to get off our backs with that Vontek win. Um, so I'm going to go Syracuse 33, BC 24. All right. Yeah, I, I, I hope I don't have any more questions about this defense after this game. Because really, I think if they give up the amount of points you're saying, I, I'm going to be very concerned. So I'm going to go with SU 30, BC 20. I think that seems reasonable-ish. Uh, but again, I, if we had to win on a last-second field goal, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be disappointed. I, I'd be annoyed by the team kind of taking their foot off the gas. But um, a win's a win. And I really do think that um, you know, SU needs this one to go bowling. I think obviously there, there's mathematically a chance to go bowling if you're four and five after nine games. But I do think based on who's left on the schedule, uh, the fact that at least like depending on the projection system, like there's really not high odds being applied to NC State and Pitt. So you're pretty much like if you if you lose this game, you are you are putting your backs against the wall. And, and I really hope that SU can avoid that. Even if say, I don't want to finish five and seven, but if they finish five and seven, um, I, I'd rather they went down fighting and went down with like a five and four record and then really like held their own, uh, against better teams here at, you know, in, in the stretch run. Yeah. Five and seven. And again, I hope it doesn't come to this, but five and seven with like just an unbelievable number of close losses, um, a lot of 50, 50 games. And like, obviously a lot of that was self-inflicted, but you could also, you know, if you're looking at this from a top down perspective, um, you're probably going to say, well, you know, these are coin flip games. We know these things go uh, one way or the other. This team could have been eight and five I don't, or eight and four. Um, I don't know that it's going to make people feel great. I think Babers would probably hang on. I think if they lose out, Babers is in, is in trouble. I think if they win another one, like it's not going to feel good uh, doing five and seven. Um, and I hope we avoid it. But I think uh, also considering the midseason quarterback change, the midseason like complete offense revamp, I think you'll see, you'll probably see a lot of, you know, that'll be the explanation. And then you hope that like, all right, well, we got to hit the ground running next year. Like then, then, then there's like really no excuses. If you have Schrader back, you have Tucker back, you have an offensive line that's much improved receivers who now know their role. Um, but, you know, hopefully this, that's not a decision we have to have in a couple of weeks. I would agree. I, I, I honestly think this would be the weirdest six and six seasons Syracuse has ever had. Uh, if they're able to pull it off. <laughs> I, I, I don't want another five and seven season because I feel like we've seen several of those. Uh, littered with missed opportunities in, in the last decade or so. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that Virginia tech signals a little bit of a turnaround just in terms of like what the team's confidence is in themselves, what their confidence is in this offensive play calling, what Baber's confidence is in the offensive play calling, even if it's slightly because the punting has undermined the team so much. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm very hopeful, but we're really not going to know, what exactly we're like hopeful for and think until after the Louisville game, I think if that Louisville game goes South in like a bad way, then I'm, I'm, I think we're going to feel very differently about things than we are now. And maybe after a BC win. That's certainly possible. I'm going to go ahead and say just to, to change uh, subjects real quick at the year, at the end, Pulse fighters jump shots. Really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the best shooting forward in Syracuse history is uh already has 19 points in 27 minutes. He's five, seven from three. Despite the fact that Buddy's been out for a while, Buddy had uh, ice wrapped around his ankle, which is, again, just 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 more awesome news. 
He's back on the bench, which made, leads me to think he it's not anything super serious. He probably twisted it, but it's still not ideal. Rest him for the next one. Let let Joe and let let Benny in, and and let's let's stay ready for the season. Benny's starting to do some stuff. I mean, he's still only two for five, but he's got five boards. He's, he's out there. Assists. He's active. Assists. That's nice. Yeah, he was a little slow on a rotation a couple minutes ago, but like you know, it's time to be working progress. He's new to the zone as well. Um, you know, I'm not worried. I'm not super worried about Benny. I just hope he gets the opportunities. I don't want him. You know, I, I don't want Beheim to go to the six-man rotation in in late November <laughs> and then do the thing that happens sometimes. Late October need, in this case. <laughs> yeah, but Spider really good so far. Um, I know they're still Russians, but but you know, in terms of just like aesthetically pleasing shooting strokes, he's he's uh, he's up there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, maybe it was just too complex of a system over at, over at Nova, and like there's no knock on them. Jimmy Beheim and said, we don't have to talk about the whole game here. I think we wrap up in a sec. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jimmy's line isn't bad here. He's four or seven, like- he gets six boards, four assists, three steals, 10 points. Like, that's pretty solid. I mean, I hate the one for four from the free throw line. But other than that. I'm going to assume he's going to be fine at the free throw line. Um, it would be weird if he wasn't. I like that we're using him as like, it's, he's obviously not as athletic as, as Morek, but we're kind of using him in a similar role. Like, he's going to be a distributor from the middle. He's going to be able to, to, I mean, he's going to step out, which Marek refused to do for one reason or another. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued with what we're doing. I also enjoy that every time Jim brings him up, he like rips on Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's every single true. time he brings up Jim, he's, he's, Jimmy, he's like, well, he was at Cornell for four years, so he doesn't know this, but he's doing all right. It's like, what Cornell, what, what is Cornell basketball? It's like a black hole. <laughs> didn't he have the, didn't he have the other joke where he is like, yeah, I mean, he's at Cornell, so the course load is a little bit challenging. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe Jim just like hates Cornell secretly, and we just haven't known it until now. Perhaps Cole Swider now twenty one points. Oh, he's he's saucy. He's he's the best shooting forward we've ever had. I, I'm the first to say it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> a- anything else, Dan? Before we uh, head out today? No. Fingers crossed for another nice weekend. I'm excited. Uh, you know, my my excitement for Syracuse basketball has been restored after one win. It's we're we're very easy here. Yeah. I. Uh... I'm, I'm I'm very much hoping that SU beats BC. I can get my just mental headspace better for. I mean, admittedly, I I I'd, I'd kind of I'd resorted to like despondence um, a, a after SU uh, was losing by three points three games in a row. So it was it was nice to be able to to feel joy even if even if briefly and 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 have it you know be like directly bookended by dread. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly. This is, this, this, I mean, there's no normal season, but this has been, this is really one for the, for the record books. I don't, I don't know that like other fan bases can quite, I know college football is crazy and everyone has like crazy seasons. I don't know that people can understand how wild, like, especially the Babers experience has been, but you know, hopefully we win this weekend and we're, we're heading for uh, yet another year. It, it doesn't feel like it's been as long uh, as it's been, but there, it, it, it'd be nuts to have like a 10 win season and then a bunch of losing and then a, a pandemic, and then uh, a season where something like this happens, where we randomly shift our offense completely, and and yeah, it just that's just Syracuse football for you. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, we'll see how the season ends, but I, but I think definitively this is going to be when we finally do like the long running, like okay, chronicling like what, what are the dumb seasons, what are the dumbest seasons, like like the, the, this one is absolutely like knocking on the door of the like hall of fame for for dumb seasons oh yes we need a weird bowl game like that fenway bowl that we seem like pretty (laughs) like if we go to a bowl that's what everyone's pointing to 
we need like a really dumb snowy Fenway Bowl against. I don't even know what the what the bowl tie-ins for that is are. AAC. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'd uh, be playing. Houston. What is it like ACC seven versus AAC like four or something? Probably. So, yeah. yeah, we'd probably be up against like UCF Oof. or SMU if they fall off a little bit. Tulsa. There's no way SMU would get that invite. Like, like they would ship them anywhere else. Sonny Dykes would just quit. <laughs> so I'm not going to Boston. I'm taking the Texas Tech job. Sorry, <laughs> bye. Yeah, honestly, like I, I think they'll have better options with the pinstripe. I think that I think that there's a shot we end up going Gasparilla. But yeah, I think if Fenway's if BC doesn't go balling, Fenway's open for us. I think they shove us in there. Yeah, I mean, if there, if pinstripes available and we're like good enough, that's always going to be. Especially if it's been a long, it's been a long enough now. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, it's it's a uh, Fenway would be something. <laughs> we, we also we, you know we have a history of opening uh, baseball stadium games. So unfortunately, we never got the uh, the Red Box Bowl or whatever the hell it was before that, the uh, Diamond Almonds Bowl or that's supposed to come back, right? Like I know it's off for the year, but I think they're still know. like holding out hope for it. I don't know. It, I, that would be way more, I know it'd be easier for you. I'd be way more fun if it was actually in like San Francisco and not out in Santa Clara. Like that's like, if you're going to have a, a weird non-college football city bowl, like you gotta have it in a city where people want to go experience the city. You don't want to stick it like 40 minutes outside or an hour outside or however far it is. That's reasonable. I mean, I'd prefer it was in, um, Palo Alto. I'd prefer it was in not Santa Clara, but if it was like at Stanford, that would actually be fun. That'd be cool. Because like, yeah, it's just like this is cool. Everything I've heard about Levi Stadium is just like it's just such a, a yeah. It's not like MetLife. I mean, MetLife's closer to New York than that is to San Francisco or Oakland or wherever. But like, it's just yeah. It's kind of soulless. It's not you don't get any of the vibe really. You know, what you can go to San Jose, like cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, like maybe they can revamp that. Sit at, sit at the uh, whatever the giant stadium is called now. I know, like, just just do more weird baseball polls. At least they're like in the city and they're kind of interesting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, I'd rather it was just football stadiums. But if if you're gonna do something off, like I like, I do think that like the the Jimmy Kimmel ball is gonna like be kind of whack unless it's like USC San Diego State. I forgot that was happening. Yeah, that's uh, that that was a decision. Yeah, so we'll, we will. These are these are fun conversations that we will hopefully get to have in December. Agreed. Well, on that note, uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Trains and Absolute Podcast. You great review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange. <laughs>